millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to Wood Talk Online Radio. For woodworkers, by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who are actually under the illusion that woodworking is cool. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. Hey yo! It's episode 106 for October 24th, 2012. Today's show is supported by Microjig, creators of the Gripper 3D Push Block, an American-made precision safety guidance system for the table saw and wood shop. They're not inexpensive, but they are the safest. Visit microjig.com to see the Gripper in action. Work safer, work smarter, Microjig. And I just want to mention, if you can, take a moment to sign up for Microjig's newsletter at microjig.com slash newsletter. They've got a great selection of products already, and there's more coming down the line. So make sure you sign up for that. Very important to let them know that you heard this because it helps, uh, helps support the show and keeps everything going. Now, on today's show, we're going to talk about storing oil varnish blends safely, router tables, uh, dealing with a cluttered shop, assembly table flatness, mag switch feather boards, and of course, a bunch of links from around the web, as well as the poll of the week from our buddy Tom Ivino. Now, before we get to all that good stuff, Matt, how about you tell them how they can get in touch with us? Okay, I will do that right now. If you have a comment or a question about something in today's show or something you'd like to hear on an upcoming episode, you have several ways to contact us. In fact, maybe even like one or two more ways as of today. So pay close attention, folks. You can either Skype us at Wood Talk Online. Or you can call our voicemail at 623-242-5180. Email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. And you know what? If you're looking for the show notes, because we often mentioned, hey, look for these links in the show notes, or you want to find past episodes, head over to talkshow.com, and that's where you'll find all of that great information. And you know what, folks? Did you just say now- talkshow.com? I did say talkshow.com. I know that's <laughs> you mi- really going to throw people you off. You missed the word. <laughs> What's that? You missed the word. What? No, I didn't. Woodtalkshow.com. Didn't I say Woodtalkshow? What I heard was just talkshow.com. Oh, I agree. (laughs) Oh, did you? (laughs) Well, I swallowed the wood. Oh, that's actually not going to say that. Um, Apparently, I didn't finish that whole one. (laughs) So go head over to woodtalkshow.com. There you go. (laughs) And you can also find us over on Facebook now, too. We have a Facebook page just for this fancy schmancy show. And we have kind of a big announcement. Like us, like us. Yes, please do, because nobody else does. I want to be able to say something like Sally Field, like, you like us. You really (laughs) like us. I should have put the link in there. It is Facebook.com slash Woodtalk if you haven't been there yet. It's brand new. Just took the wrapping paper off today. Sweet. And we have kind of an announcement. I think some people might have seen this, but Shannon, why don't you take the reins on this one and let people know what's going on? Well, it seems that every time either of us, any of the three of us go somewhere, we tend to be inundated with people saying, hey, love Wood Talk Online. And oh, yeah, you do another show, don't you? Yeah, that one's pretty good, too. And (laughs) it, it, it blows me away because the three of us in our weekly random tangent emails we pass back and forth all came to this conclusion independently that, hey, there's a lot of people that really like Wood Talk Online. Maybe we should get a little bit more serious about this. So we're going weekly, folks, every single week, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern time. 
uh, whatever other time zone you're in, just <laughs> do the math. You know, yeah, yeah look, do, do the math. <laughs> if you're going to do it live, just look at the camera at the uh, the uh, clock right now. That will tell you what time to turn in. Yes, yeah. unless you're listening to this later. Um, this time, 15 minutes ago. So yeah, we we are now calling ourselves Wood Talk. Just plain old Wood Talk. We we played with Wood Talk Online, Wood Talk Online Radio, and uh, it's just too hard to say all that. Yeah. So Wood Talk will be coming to you every wednesday now yay yeah us. it's kind of uh it's amazing how long it's taken us to get to this point i think when we started it did, did we ever matt when you and i began the show did we ever have a weekly format it wasn't it always every other week uh at the most yeah if if people were lucky it was every other yeah. week we we in fact we were talking about how like at that time you know i don't know if i can even like come in like every other week we should just really wing this you <laughs> yeah. know maybe every third week and just to come in like every other week was like one of those we just we felt like we were really committed <laughs> to yeah, do that yeah. and obviously looking at the numbers back then we didn't stick to it very well that's probably because back then matt was doing a show a day <laughs> <That's> <laughs> that's true. workshop was your daily matt yeah, that that could have had something to do with it for sure. <laughs> Matt likes to keep himself busy. Uh, but, you know, I was I was looking at the numbers on the show recently, and I was really, really impressed with the kind of numbers we're getting. And, it's, and the more we do the show, the more those numbers go up. And I was telling the guys earlier, we don't really want to spend too much time on this, but we had over like 40,000 downloads of uh, episode 104, just as an example. And it's like, you know what? There's a lot of people listening. We really need to put more effort into this, take it a lot more seriously. And hopefully you guys will enjoy it with a new weekly format. So we may not go over an hour on these shows. Um, we'll probably try to hit the 45 minute mark. So it's a nice, uh, you know, maybe if you have a long commute or maybe uh, two short commutes, uh, either way, uh, it should be good listening for you in the car. Absolutely. It helps that we have fun doing it too. It does. It does. Yeah. Yeah, that. definitely. Yeah. Well, sometimes we have fun. It depends, Other times it depends go, on the episode. What did I say? Oh, my head hurts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's get into the show proper. Uh, what's on the bench, guys? Uh, we're going to rip through this because weekly, obviously, things are going to change all that much. So unless something drastic happens, we probably don't have anything on our bench that's very different than the week before. But Shannon, why don't you kick it off and tell us what you've been working on? I had a change this week, actually. Um, for the first time since I started woodworking, I actually made good on a promise and started working on Christmas gifts in October. Way to go. I always tell myself that, and it usually is sometime Thanksgiving weekend when I first start <laughs> something. So yeah. I started um, turning um, travel mugs. Woodcraft came out with a kit a long time ago, actually. Those like stainless steel inserts into a wood block. Just very cool. And um, I happen to have a, a source somewhere for very large 12 quarter stock and uh, brought home a piece of it, chopped it up and started turning it. And uh, that I, may I just say again that I love my easy wood tool turning tools. So nice. I love them. No. And then thank you to Mark actually in the wood whisperer guild. I got a deal on a marquetry kit from Paul Church, and I started playing around with that this week and I can tell you, um, that's like crazy addictive. Yeah, um, it is. That could be a problem for me, actually. That <laughs> I, I have this stack of veneer and some tools, and Paul has this like getting started kit, and I just I, I went for like the full shebang and got basically everything I need in a box, and it's yeah, that's a little scary. It's a it's <laughs> so, a rabbit hole, you know. It's something yeah. you could just go and dig deep into for for probably several years, and then come out of it and go, <gasps> daylight. What you know? It's, right. it's yeah, a, and you're very quickly like, wow, think of what this could actually do, like to my designs, and mm -hmm. then you like spend all your time thinking about what you could do and realize you haven't actually done anything. So yeah, it, it's a little scary. So I'm playing with marquetry. I'm not very good at it yet, but it's a heck of a lot of fun. Great. Uh, now I need to add this to my list. Let's see. First we had turning. <laughs> then we last week last time we talked about carving. Now I have to add marquetry to things to avoid so that I don't get an addiction. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> and in uh, uh Paul Search's uh, talk at WIA, he actually was looking at different or showing us different pieces that he's made and he was qualifying things with prices and saying this this piece I probably at a gallery could have gotten, you know, maybe 4 grand for. But once I added this marquetry to it, I could ask for 15 grand. And he was just showing how just the addition of the marquetry piece uh, just insanely inflates the value uh, on what he could get in a gallery, uh, which is pretty amazing. So it's certainly something that is worth one's time. I mean, even just for personal gratification, of course, but if you're looking to increase the value of your work, there's certainly something to be said about adding some marquetry. Wow, yeah. that's, wow that anyway. is, that's really awesome. All right. Anyways, what's up, Matt? What you making? 
Well, the what's what I just finished making, which was the shoe organizer for the Vanderlust household. It went together really well until we got to the glue up portion, which it's amazing how when you have that many things to glue up and you think everything's going good because obviously you do the, the dry fit at the beginning, you know, because it's always a good idea before you start the actual glue up just to make sure that joints are coming together the right way. You kind of come up with a plan, a game plan for how you're going to tackle it. You get it all set to go. And then once the glue starts flowing, suddenly panic kicks in or something. And then you start going faster because, oh my gosh, the glue's going to set up faster than I expected. I thought I had everything together. And as the final clamps are going on, well, it turned out when I took them off that uh, something on the bottom where I had started the whole process had actually come loose. And so therefore my glue up, well, it didn't fail because it's all still holding together and it's rock solid. But it's one of the ugliest glue ups I think I've ever done. <laughs> I mean, it's just I'm so thankful that this thing is going to be hidden away someplace where nobody will see it. it. It reminds me of like some like Twilight thing or whatever, where it's like, <laughs> this is my child who's severely deformed and I've hidden him away in a closet and that's what's going to happen to this poor thing. I throw shoes at him. <laughs> yes, exactly. I feed it shoes. All you got to do is say it was your one of your first projects. Pretend you made it like 10 years ago. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, Sam really likes distressing things. I could make it look that old. That's an awesome idea. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Maybe it's the, maybe it's the saw stops fault. Um, no, other than the fact that unlike my granite topped one, I can't glue up on top of this thing without like, you know, putting down some butcher block paper or some other cover, which I'm really bummed about. I mean, I cannot re I didn't realize how much glue up and other things assembly I did on top of the table saw. <laughs> you got used to that, huh? <laughs> yeah, it was just like, it was great. There's this awesome platform. It's dead flat. This is great. And now I'm like, I guess I got to move stuff off the bench to do this. <laughs> oh, man. Sucks to be you, Matt. I know it does. I'm like, oh, I got a new tool. I got to protect this nice new saw and, stop. Oh, oh life is hard. I blew up on my bench. <laughs> oh, man. That's just terrible. It is. It, it's, it's the life I lead. I mean, it's just, what can I say? But anyways, though, good news go. is Wood Talk's gone to a, y, a weekly show, so it's going to make it all better. Thanks, thanks for mentioning that again. <laughs> hey, no problem at all. The other good news is I had a physical tonight, and I am thankfully at that age where I still don't have to have the most uncomfortable procedure for a man done yet. So, <laughs> yay! Yay! Good news for you guys, too. I'll let you know when it happens since I'm the older one of this group. You know what? Maybe I'll just won't. Do it, and I'll just surprise you. <laughs> I was really He's looking referring forward. to the glaucoma test, of course. Yes, yeah, yeah. nothing worse than having uh, a puff of air blown into your eye. That is, yeah. that, that's very annoying. Um, I was actually looking forward to you coming back to the show with uh, your voice at like one octave higher, possibly. <laughs> Well, I, I'm really upset the because sound last... of the squeaking donut pillow in the background. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the thing is I had I moved the chair out. I'm like, I won't be needing this. I'll be standing for this whole entire show. But uh, good news is it didn't happen. So I can sit again that I had to go find the chair because I didn't know where it was. Uh, there's always next year, Matt. There is. There is. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Mark, what's going on with you? Uh, I'm working on a client project for, for once. It's uh, it's a nice change of pace just working with this particular client who I happen to be pretty fond of. He's uh, got really interesting taste and, and he challenges me because he's as picky about the results as I am. You know, so it's someone who actually requires that I do my absolute best work. And the good thing is he's not afraid to pay for that, which is which is uncommon in a client sometimes. Uh, so nice. looking forward to moving forward with this project. I designed um, most of it in SketchUp and just, you know, I'm no, I'm no, uh, I'm no Aaron Marshall, as they say, when it comes to SketchUp or Bob Lang, <laughs> but uh, I can definitely get the basics in there. Just enough for me to look at proportions, you know, gauge the size of parts versus other parts and, and, and kind of work out some of the joinery. So I got all that done, feel pretty confident with where I'm going with it and we can actually proceed. And this is going to be a future uh, guild project in November. So I did that. That was a that was a blast. And then today I I actually got a chance to go into the shop and just start getting some crap set up, like uh, clamp racks, getting the clamps off the floor and on the wall. Um, I'm working on a little bit of lumber storage, just things that need to happen before anything can be made in that place. So I was really um, looking forward to getting those things going. But that's that's really about all that I've got. Well, cool. now this is obviously the client who probably was the genesis for the summer of Wenge. Oh yes. Uh, what what exotic wood are we going with now or haven't we gotten to that oh, point yet we, we, yeah he's got he's very specific he wants the entire thing out of african babinga and mm -hmm. he wants the frame and panel for the headboard to be out of african blackwood and i i've never worked with it before so i don't <laughs> nice i don't know what the availability is going to be to get that in a panel 
so we'll have to see. So obviously this is all subject to availability, but he's like, yeah, I, I priced it out. It's about $70 a board foot, you know, for the African black wood. And I was like, well, I, I love you, man. I really do. <laughs> like, that, that's, actually, that's actually pretty accurate. Neither one of those is a CITES listed species though. So you'll have availability shouldn't be a problem. Okay. And they're both huge trees. So finding nice, larger nice sizes planks. shouldn't be a problem either. Yeah, yeah. So preferably find one that is headboard sized, and then you just have to take your jigsaw and shape it and <laughs> go, go from there. Just cut it out all in one piece. Um, right. I, can, I can see all that black sawdust everywhere. You're going to be covered head to toe, and it's going to be like, is that Mark or is that charcoal? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this is like I said, this is the kind of customer that I that I really like, and they're few and far between. But if you if you get one, hook them and hold on to them for dear life because they they are fun to work with challenging to work with and they understand good good craftsmanship and they understand good materials and that's really all you can ask for absolutely well i'm I'm curious before we get too far away from that because your your sketchup skills are like mine and you, the reason you use it is the same as me kind yeah. of just to get a basic idea and i don't worry about the details right um but i hear from a lot of people are like well you know i have to use this model to show to my my client um, what do you do as far as that process with your client? Yeah, do you work pretty closely with him to refine the design or do. does he just trust you to do it? No, I, I do. And in the past, before I used SketchUp, I would just draw things and, and meet with the guy or scan. What? You know, draw? Meet, yeah, draw and then meet in person. It's amazing what we used to do. Crazy. Um, yeah, and that- now it just actually it's a shortcut now because I could very quickly get something that has a you know uh, at least a 3D look to it, and you know, it'll be a 2D uh, image, but you can kind of get an idea of everything. Um, so I use that extensively. So from the very beginning, when I we were first working out, do we want uh, two panels in the back for the frame and panel headboard, or do we want one wide panel? Um, SketchUp was very, very instrumental in helping us decide what to do. So we actually are working together much faster thanks to that. And and it doesn't really require a whole lot in the way of SketchUp skills to get something that a customer can wrap their head around. And, right. and you don't have to have advanced level skills to do that. Just the basics will get that done. And you'd be amazed at how useful that is. And if, if you do have an in-person meeting or you want to do like a screen capture of you uh, orbiting around the piece that can be incredibly useful and frankly it just saves you a lot of headaches and a lot of just misunderstandings that tend to happen between a, a client and, and and the person doing the work it really saves you a lot of headaches because you just it just answers questions that you might not even normally think to ask them and they go oh is this supposed to be like that i'm not sure about that and you go okay well we can change the size or change the proportions uh so so instru- absolutely instrumental in this process it's probably helpful too that it you know, he probably feels like he's got more to do with it, mm-hmm. you know? So when it's done, he's like, yep, this is my bed. Yeah. I designed yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, if, if, if he's not happy with it, when it's all said and done, it's his fault. That's the way I look at it. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll fix it. I'll honor anything. You know, I will repair it or change it. I'll, you know, bend over backwards for this guy. But ultimately if I've done my job, the only reason something is going to be wrong is because he didn't realize this thing. You know what I mean? Like some, something in particular, that a piece of information that wasn't uh, part of the conversation previously. Um, but, but again, doing all this conversation back and forth, I tend to eliminate all that. And I've never had a, a misunderstanding with this, this particular guy, as picky as he is. Um, nice. so, so it works well. Highly recommend it. Just get the basics down. You know, Watch uh, some of Bob Lang's stuff if you want to get a little deeper into it. But I'm telling you, man, you don't, you don't even need it. You will hit walls. But a lot of times you could do some kind of like ghetto shortcut to, <laughs> you know, to figure it yes, out. And it's like, name, ghetto uh, SketchUp. Yeah, it's good enough. So, so the great thing about it is, though, just a little internal process is that like I'll make components and then I just get, I don't care what you call them. I just want to make it a component so that I could build something off of that. But you have to name these things. So I usually wind up giving them very R-rated names and then sending that off to <laughs> sending that off to Aaron for some help so he gets those little Easter eggs when he's working uh, with it. Aaron, Aaron, can you help me with the uh, Ron Jeremy one? Because um, it's not playing well with... Uh... Yeah, so I got some surprises for you, Aaron, uh, next, time, next time you help me out with something. Uh, but yeah, let's let's uh, let's move on to the around the web area. We've got a couple of great links here. I'll, I'll go first. I've got a Schwarz charity auction for National Breast Cancer Foundation. Uh, there's an eBay auction for a bunch of signed books and DVDs and whatnot. It's a whole package that you could bid on, and everything goes to the National Breast Cancer Foundation. So that's definitely a good cause. I'll put the link in the show notes, and you guys can check that one out. Love Excellent. me some breasts. I mean, whoa, hey yo. 
Help save the Tatas. That's all that matters. Uh, The next one on here is my friends over at toolselect.com. The last time I was out there doing a tool review with them, they were one thing I always have to ask them is, how do you guys make any money at what you do? I don't understand it. This model just doesn't make any sense to me because it seems like with the way that you have these tools coming in, you should be having your pockets just lined with the, the manufacturers trying to win over your your reviews and everything. And these guys are just apparently – they're the Elliot Ness of tool reviews, I guess, because they are so untouchable. It's disgusting. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> what they are doing is they're kind of doing a crowdsourcing – fundraiser and they want to raise again i don't understand how they're doing this i I don't remember the exact amount i think it's just a little over fifty seven thousand dollars and they're saying that will give them enough funds to create yet again another possibly hundred or more you know completely unbiased tool reviews by people who know how to do this stuff so they put the, the tools actually in the hands of the users and so they're going through indiegogo is the uh, company indiegogo.com is where they're doing the this thing and other people might be familiar with more like uh, it's very similar to kickstarter kickstarter right yeah, yeah. and so i guess this is a, a yet another company that's doing it they have a video up the video is actually kind of it's pretty funny they they really went all out with the whole crew over there and so i definitely uh, recommend checking it out maybe throwing a couple bucks their way because if you checked out their videos they're really high quality videos yeah. and again they the staff there don't do any of the reviews they take these right out to the individuals that would use them so these are carpenters these are i mean they did like lawnmowers this summer or something so they put it in the hands of homeowners uh we're in, we're in line for a snowblower i'm trying to convince them that the one that goes on the front of like one of those really heavy trucks is what we need for our little <laughs> residential drive but they seem <laughs> nice. to think no nice. uh so but anyways so go ahead and check well, that out and don't forget you can find our very own matt vanderlist giving reviews That's right yeah I mean, now those, those ones are kind of questionable because if you've ever watched that guy's videos it's kind of kind of sketchy but here he talks a lot <laughs> yeah there has been some issues with that like matt um, our editor, we had to give him an extra lunch break because he was trying to pirate pared on your videos, and it just it wasn't pretty. So <laughs> you heard anyways, it here, the, folks. You heard it her. You heard it here. You gave way too much information, Matt. There was stuff in there that had nothing to do with the tool. We don't need to know that medical history. I'm just excited. This is the first time I've ever heard Matt say pear and not par. And I actually had to. I had that moment, that three second like delay in my head, which was pear, par, pears. You say Pars. par, I say pear. It's all good. Excited. It's an epic moment. Yep. So anyways, go check that out. <laughs> all right. Who's cool. next? Uh, well, there is some, some, I'll call it bittersweet news. The Old Street Tool Company has, I, they haven't closed, but they've closed for new orders. Essentially, their backlog has gotten so long. And as they put it, a uh, long backlog and we're getting older. So they are not accepting new orders for planes. If you, if you don't know, it used to be known as the Clark and Williams plane company. They make wooden hand planes. They were the only wooden molding plane maker for a long time. It's a, it's interesting because there's been a lot of buzz on the internet lately about, Oh man, that's a shame. But I see it actually as a very positive thing. I mean, these guys have gotten so busy that they can't take orders anymore. And you know, they have spawned really the birth of MS Bickford, Matt Bickford's company. He'll be the first person to tell you that he, that's the reason he started it is because of Larry Williams' video. Uh, we've got guys like Time Warp Toolworks are going with more of the, the Krinoff-style laminated thing. I actually got an email today from another woodworking blogger who was asking me about uh, availability of Quarterson Beach, thinking, well, if, you know, Old Street hangs it up, maybe I'll jump into it. So. Hmm. I think they've done so much to kind of breed more tool companies. So, you know, I think it's awesome. I wish them luck in knocking off the backlog. Hopefully they will open for orders again soon. But those guys have um, both just contributed so much to woodworking. So, um, you know, kudos to Don and, and, and Larry over it, there. It's kind of neat because in today's day and age, you almost never hear of that. And the, the one place that you hear of it most often is woodworking hand tools. And yeah. I mean, things like this happen all the time. You know, Benchcrafted has a huge back order. Um, Lee Nielsen frequently has back orders. And what I find interesting is, you know, in most conventional wisdom is, okay, let's expand. Let's hire more. Let's do something to meet this demand. Whereas most of these companies don't seem to do that. They seem to say, we're happy where we're at. And if we can't keep up with the demand, we'll do something else to figure out how to satisfy it or we'll just go on back order. And that's right. and that's okay with them, and that's that's a very interesting thing. I don't know. I kind of see it as a little bit admirable. 
Well, and as a, very as a hand tool, you know, as a hand tool fanatic, I'm just thrilled by the fact that here's a company that makes nothing but really nice hand planes mm-hmm. and they have a backlog of like three years. And, um, I just talked to Matt Bickford, uh, was probably four months ago and he was at 18 months already, Wow, you know, and he's a relative newcomer on the market in this. And all he does is make molding planes. So there's a lot of idiots out there like me, hand sticking moldings. And it's, it's very exciting to know that I'm in, um, not such rarefied air now, which is nice. And it really does say something about, at least I'm reading into this. it, It says something about the consumer that we're starting to maybe become, you know, that educated about what makes a good tool. You know, there was a, a blog post from uh, Jimmy Abraham over at uh, Benchcraft said that I did for the Spoken Wood podcast a while ago, or not too long. It was the last one that I just did. It just feels like it was a long time ago when I recorded it. And he was talking about almost like this idea of a renaissance of American made machinery. And a lot of this has to do with these are older companies that uh, a complete cabinet shop that's shutting down. And now the equipment that they had bought when they were getting going, this really heavy duty cast iron just monstrous stuff that you never see made anymore is starting to become back on the market and a lot of that has to do well a lot of people that can really appreciate it know how good these machines are know that you know they may be 50 years old but they work insane and i think people are starting to realize that this crap that we've been paying for for so long is just it's not worth it anymore so it's it's really exciting to, to see at least as far as i'm concerned from that perspective yeah yeah Agree. It's exciting. And you know what's interesting is there is a, a link further on down the list here that we'll put in the show notes, but it's the exact same story. It's a, it's a series of videos called The Birth of a Tool. And oh, yeah. the same thing happened to that guy. He ended up on the front page of Reddit. And uh, he's just a little guy in Latvia making tools. And they actually had to close new orders. Wow. They had, <laughs> uh, I don't remember the numbers offhand, but it was like 25,000 orders in like a day. Oh, man. That's um, awesome. I mean, that's so cool, you know, and yeah. people are like, oh, man, he had to close down. I'm like, seriously, <laughs> that's freaking <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So anyway, uh, I, I think it's awesome. Cool. But just to let people know, I, uh, t-shirts, I think it's awesome. T-shirts from Matt's Basement Workshop are not closing down. You can get them from the small <laughs> hands that I have that are in the back room <laughs> locked up from ever seeing sunlight. Hey, guys, we're uh, we're actually getting a call and you want to try and take it. I don't this could oh, be oh. like a, this could be a prank call. It could be <laughs> the wrong number. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Dave there, man. Hello? What happened? Hey. Hey, who's this? Mark. This is Don Fugit. How are you doing? Good. How's it going? Howdy, Don. Great. Hey, Don. What's going on, Don? What can we do for you? We want to know where Matt gets his hats. (laughs) (laughs) I get them from my wife for Christmas. Oh, well, we... It, it's a, it's a, a, from Columbia, in fact, um, and I have been looking for them again online because I want another one uh, because poor Whoopi has just been getting a lot of uh, he's, it's been pretty ugly for Whoopi lately. <laughs> you know, you have that one. There was one picture that you took where you uh, you look like Link from The Legend of Zelda. <laughs> you have some kind of crazy hat. It was awesome. I can't remember where that picture was, though. Oh, I'd look that, that one up. That's Columbia, the outerwear company, not Columbia, Missouri. Right. <laughs> Just in case Nicole's listening, sit down, Nicole. It's not Columbia. <laughs> right. But awesome. yeah, that, that's where. And here's another little known secret. I don't know if this is. I probably shouldn't say this one, but it's actually a kid's hat. Um, she picked it up as a joke <laughs> on the way out of uh, like a Dick's Sporting Good or something. And uh, yeah, that's that's where she got it from. So. Um, yeah, that's where you, I would start your search there. Uh, they do make some nice ones. I have a new one that has a uh, really nice yellow stripe that my kids say I look like Charlie Brown with. <laughs> I haven't broken it in properly, so uh, that one has not made it on air yet. Nice. Well, oh, hey, you know, well, we'll look forward to that. Yes, definitely. <laughs> well, hey, thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. And anyone else who wants to call in, I guess uh, we, we didn't really even mention this, but if you want to, we are live here. Just uh, Skype has said would talk online. And I guess they can call the number, too, 623-242-5180. And if we can, we'll try to pull you into the conversation. Um, all right, moving on. So we have uh, other links, and that was the uh, the YouTube videos that Shannon mentioned, The Birth of a Tool. Uh, we listed those in there. And these, we're not going to spend too much time on these links, but they're worth mentioning. Some of these are yeah. from folks on, um, on Facebook as well. So uh, we got a link from Jacob on Facebook. He says, I'm always looking for new design ideas, so I always frequent this site. It's yankodesign.com. You'll have to check that out. Link in the show notes. 
Uh, there's also a Lego New Yankee Workshop uh, this picture. This is awesome. Right? Yeah, it's awesome. It's <laughs> on Flickr, <laughs> submitted by uh, Dwayne Hess. It just is a Lego reproduction of the New Yankee Workshop. It's pretty awesome. Uh, now, the birth of a tool video submitted by Dan Sherman. He says, I found these awesome videos when they first came out and then rediscovered them a week or so ago when I came across them again on findwoodworking.com. I bet Shannon will really love them. And there's two videos, part one and two. I do have to warn you, if you're anything like me, you will hear that music and want to take that red hot uh, axe blank and shove it in your ears. Um, <laughs> that music just drives me nuts. Uh, oh man yeah yeah that, that, those are really neat videos i posted one on on my facebook page a while ago those are just freaking awesome so definitely check those out folks you will yeah, fall they're just, in love they're, with it they're artistic they're just beautifully done, done videos absolutely so beautifully whether done. you like hand tools or not um yeah they're just beautiful yeah, it's not about that it's it's just the production value on it is so good all right moving on to our poll of the week this week tom created a poll asking about ripping and uh it says working with an eight inch wide board what is your preferred method for ripping off a one-inch strip? And I said this was my commentary personally. That sounds like a great use for a table saw, but I know that there are a lot of ways to get the job done. How would you do it? Out of about 1,300 voters, these polls are getting a lot of people responding. Uh, 82, oh sorry, 80.2% said the table saw. I did not expect that overwhelming majority to be the table Seriously, saw. Seriously, yeah. Wow. Didn't, didn't Tom also give a length? Uh, he may I feel like have. it was 36 inches or something like that. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's definitely something that would be typically put on the table saw, but uh, not right. not too long that you couldn't cut it by hand if you wanted to. Uh, the rest of the replies here, we had 6.8% said circular saw with a guide, 4.7% said the bandsaw, 3.9% the track saw, 28 hand saw, and 0.76% other. I, I don't know what that other is. I think some, some folks were like karate <laughs> Maybe chops. a jigsaw. Let's go with a jigsaw. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. A Otherwise, jigsaw. it's lasers. It's a freaking laser. <laughs> Get yeah. out of my head, Matt. Yeah, so great. <laughs> what, what shocks me is that circular saw with guide outrakes bandsaw. That's right. blows me away. Yeah, and, that, and especially even on an 8-inch wide board, that can be a little bit unstable oh, yeah. and a little bit tricky to balance even if you have some sort of a guide and we're not talking a track saw here we're talking a homemade guide of some sort so that that's a little bit uh that's dicey depending oh, yeah. on how it's set up you know oh yeah what do you yeah. know i didn't totally didn't even notice there was a separate one for track saw that's yeah. crazy track saw is only at 3.9 percent. so that is a uh, very interesting at least for the folks who answered the poll uh, this is posted on my site as well as tom's Website, so I don't know if our audience is, uh, you know, sort of skew in one direction or another, but maybe, maybe this says that it does. Um, I think- right. <laughs> and, uh, my answer for poll of the week this week is the Twachinskis. That's another famous Polish family that I, I am very I comfortable listened, with saying I listened that to they that. are my poll of the week. Dude, I wish I would have gotten that joke when you first said it. Like when you said that last <laughs> week, I'm listening to the podcast in a parking lot of like Home Depot, and I heard that, and I'm just like, that was just. Fan, that was one of the best, fastest, most awesome things to ever come out of your mouth. It was great. <laughs> so, thank you. Okay, thank congr- you. Thank we you should, very much. Well, how would you spell that? Is it Pol- How would you spell Pol when it's referring to a Polish person? Is it P-O-L-E? Uh, no, just P-O-L. Is it just P-O-L? That's how I usually... Well, they're Polish, so, you know. Pol of the week. It just feels like there should be an E on there. Anyway, all right. So not to offend Polish people, we love you. Your sausage is great. Uh, Absolutely. Okay, voicemails. We actually, Power to Hamtramck. We have a couple of voicemails here. <laughs> uh, our buddy Vic gave us a call. And now this is interesting because we talked about in the last show how flat is flat enough. And this is not in reference to the workbench but to an assembly table. So let's uh, hear what Vic has to say. Hey, guys. This is Vic. Uh, hey, I was just calling to find out um, I'm in the middle of an assembly table build. It's actually an outfeed and a uh, bending table too, but... Um, it's right now, uh, about a 16th of an inch out here and there. And my question is, well, I haven't actually gone back through and planed the, um, I've just done the bottom. I haven't gone through and planed the, uh, the intersections yet to keep, make sure that they're all bed smooth. But, uh, how anal should I be on this? Cause, uh, you know, my, my, uh, gut reaction is that, oh, I need to plane this down to where it's dead flat. But, um, uh, anyway, I would like to find out what uh, what you guys think of that. Um, so it is an assembly table. How flat should flat be? Anyway, talk to you later. Bye. 
That's a great question, and it definitely is in line with what we talked about last week. Now, do you guys feel the same way about an assembly table in terms of flatness? That I mean, we basically came to the conclusion and, and sort of threw this one to Shannon, and and the conclusion was that as long as it's you know fairly flat within that what maybe two by four foot working section at a time, as long as it's flat in that zone, you're probably good enough. Um, how do you feel about it on an assembly surface? My workbench is my assembly table. Well, there you go. So that's what, exactly what I was going to say. Well, my table saw used to be my assembly, well, yeah, Matt but now has I, a, I can't uh, do that anymore. Matt has a dead but, flat. Yeah, he's got a dead flat piece of granite to assemble on, so he's uh, <laughs> exactly. kind of the uh, um, exception. I, I mean, I, I feel the same exact way as I did about the workbench. Um, you know, if dead flat is really nice, but if it's off just a little bit, I mean, you can throw some sawdust on there and, <laughs> and kind of make up for the difference or something. So... Um, I, I personally am not overly concerned about making it, you know, the flattest. I don't, I'm not concerned about making it a reference surface like I would, you know, for uh, doing my sharpening or something with like a slab of granite or something. It's, it's an assembly thing. Eventually, it's yeah. going to kind of get jacked out a little bit and yeah, I think, imagine uh, dinged up. I think that there is a little bit of a concern when he's talking about being maybe a sixteenth of an inch out. That's not that much, but where you run into a little bit of, pro- of a problem is not necessarily so much in glue ups and things like that. Uh, if there's little minor dips and stuff like that, but if if you're doing like I don't know a chair, a stool, and and you're trying right. to make sure your legs are are all level right. and you don't have a, a fairly dead flat surface or at least a portion of the table that you know to be dead flat that can land you in hot water. So, so I think, you know, it's the same thing with the bench. You have to think in terms of like what size area are you typically working with? And if you could fit a chair in a section of the, the, the top and you know that that portion is dead flat, then you could rely on that in the future. Um, so I would say just like the, just like I I should say that if my workbench were out a 16th of an inch, I would flatten that. Yeah. 16th is starting to get pretty big out of flat me yeah yeah so so I, I would definitely do some work on that Vic if you can get it as close to, to dead flat as as you can it's it's always worth it to try that but don't kill yourself over it and try and get yeah. you know when you're down to maybe a 64th you know then then I think maybe you're you can forget about it it's not too big of a deal because there's pieces of dust that that will give you that much error um yeah but also for just a just a few dollars at the most um run to Home Depot or any other home center and buy some shims I, I like those shims are my best friend. Everything I have in this house is shimmed, to be quite honest with you. Sometimes I get shimmed when I'm standing on, in the living room. <laughs> Matt, you're sitting so. crooked. Okay. Yeah. Oh, hold on. It's my wallet. I got to shim up the other side. <laughs> All right. So we have another question, and this one we don't know who it's from. Let's just call him Anonymous, and uh, it's about mag switch Featherboards. Hi. I was wondering if you guys could share your experiences using uh, the mag switch Featherboards. Thanks, guys. Told you it was about mag switch featherboards. Oh, I didn't lie. Now is that about the mag switch ones? Uh, yeah, they're featherboards. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. Oh, okay. Makes sense. Everybody with me oh. now? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it was uh, mag switch featherboards. You guys have any? Have you used them before? Not anymore. It, but yes, I did. I mean, they're it's pretty straightforward, right? It's a featherboard with very strong magnets attached. Um, I will just say really quickly, I still use them. I love them. The only disadvantage or only problem you run into is if that magnet just happens to need to sit right over your miter slot on your table saw, for instance. Uh, you just can't quite get the grip that you need. It just wants to bounce to one side or the other. And you'd be surprised because of where that, that slot is, a lot of times you'll confront that where, where it's just like, darn it, it's right on the stupid miter slot and you can't get the registration that you need. Um, so that's that's one disadvantage to something you know magnetic like that. But but I like them. I think mag switch products are, are great. They're, they're not the cheapest in the world, but they're very good. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the new table saw allows me to actually use them. In fact, that was one thing I was excited about because the granite one, for some reason, magnets don't stick to granite. I don't know what it is. That's weird. Uh, but they, they didn't work with that. But I had this that experience, what you just described with the miter slot. I had that happen this weekend. I was working on some uh, photography boxes for Samantha, and I wanted to have the take advantage of the featherboard system. And it's exactly what happened. I'm like, how – what – can I get a filler in or something? But it yeah. one place they they really help is I use them on the uh, the bandsaw and they work great there. Funny story: the guys from Tool Select I mentioned them earlier. Their cameraman was out. I happened to have my mag switches on the side of my furnace. I just have them turned on, then I turn them off. Nothing was funnier than I turned around and saw him struggling trying to pull it off of the furnace. <laughs> and then I just went over and then turned the little switch, and then it came off. And I'm like, <laughs> you wimp. 
Nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, they uh, they actually have a whole line of products now too, just different add-ons, things that you could do for like a table saw tracks and whatnot. So they've got a, a whole yeah. wide range of products that you should probably check out in addition to the basic feather boards and jig parts and things that you can make with it. So pretty, pretty cool products. Uh, I used the little setup back when I had a table. I used the little setup with the mag jig and like the L bracket so that you could put another mag jig down. Mm-hmm. Right. So it put pressure down and to the side. And that was, that was pretty awesome. I yeah. mean, it worked almost like anti kickback and kept everything really, really tight to the fence. I actually thought about getting one of those ones for the joiner fence that uh. goes the different direction and holds it down ahead of the blade. And then, uh, I, I fell off the, uh, power tool wagon and, just never decided to buy one, but yeah, I like them a lot. Nice. All right, let's move into emails, Matt. You want to take the first one? Okay. Uh, this one comes from Kevin, and Kevin is saying, I'm at the point where a laminate router table on sawhorses isn't cutting it any longer, so I'm planning on building a true base for it as my next project. I like the look of the, he's saying infamous, New York, New Yankee deluxe router table. I think it's more like famous. Uh, the New Yankee deluxe router table with the plexiglass center. He might be using it wrong like I used um, uh, rather than uh, Egomaniac last week. I used Ergonomic. Um, anyways, so, waffle. <laughs> so I like to look at the famous New U- U- Yankee deluxe router table with a plexiglass center for the router compartment surrounded by small drawers on the sides and cabinets on the bottom. Uh, definitely not married to it, though. The only thing that I know for sure is that I want to build in a power switch, possibly with a knee paddle, and that it will be on double on lockable casters. Besides that, can you guys offer any advice on things that you will you would really like about your current router table setups or things that you would improve upon for either aesthetically or functionality, such as dust collection size, mobility access- accessories, etc.? So, who wants to go with this one first? Uh, mm. Mark? Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I like really good quality tables. And, you know, it can be tempting to build your own. And certainly, for some people, it is, it is worthwhile to do that. Uh, but I really just bit the bullet. And I think Jessam, Woodpeckers, uh, what is it, the... Um, Bench dog. Bench dog and even even Craig, right? Don't they have uh, tables now? Yeah. Router tables? Yep. Um, there are so many great uh, – Rockler too. They've got a whole range of tables that are just yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I mean they're everywhere and, and all different shapes and sizes, different add-ons, things like that. And then you can get a integrated lift with it, which is a huge, huge thing that I think is, is definitely – They also have cast iron ones so you can use your mag switch. Ooh, there you go. Nice. Yeah, so so there's so many things, and I know you know it's. I, I don't want to be the guy who always recommends purchasing something when you could build it yourself. But the router table is just one of those things that I like. I like those uh, phenolic tops. I, I I like being able to just buy things that work well with it and just get to work. Uh, the fence systems are usually fairly, uh, you know, elaborate. There's a lot of things that you can do or that you can add on to it uh, with with different uh, attachments and whatnot. So, so that's actually my recommendation. And if 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 you want to still build it yourself, look at those things and see what yeah. you could then incorporate into yours. Because obviously, you know, these companies who make these things listen to the feedback and they're trying to make tabletops that, that we really want, you know, so look at those things and, and just steal some of those features and incorporate them into yours. Well, you know, that's actually a really good point is uh, about the features that are out there because I'm seeing some now that like I, I know I think definitely for sure with Lee Valley and then again I think with, with Bench Dog, a lot of these things are almost kind of like you can piece them together yourself. Like, okay, I'm going to get this top but I, I'm going to get this fence and I'm going to get this and they almost – you could almost even like have like a hybrid where you have one from each kind of – each manufacturer and they, they pretty much almost play together rather nicely and even if they don't within the manufacturer lineup themselves a lot of them you could very very easily say like all right well i don't want model a i don't want model b but i'm going to take things from them and i'll just piece it together it might end up costing you a little bit more because typically the packages that they put together obviously will give you a bit of a price break yeah. but you it, you know looking at the catalogs you can definitely see where you can add little pieces here and there but yeah i i'm, I'm where you are right now before i had the big grand thing of like i'm gonna make my own i'm gonna do this and this and now i'm like i want Something that's you know already out there because they are available. They, I think even like just a few years ago, there weren't that many out there. And so now that there is actual variety and choices, it's like, man, I'm going to go with those. Sure. True well, for me, and I've had a router table, popper, contrary to popular belief. In fact, I even did a whole blog series on it back when I was just blogging on lumber, tra- on lumber jocks. 
Wow. I was kind of worried that you were thinking that this was a table for your router plane, and I was going to try to explain (laughs) that to you, that they were talking about a power router. I can see Shannon mounting his router plane upside down, (laughs) screwing it to the tabletop, and be like, this just doesn't doesn't work. It doesn't work when people say it does. Bridge City does that, don't they? No, that's a that's a table saw. For me, it was dust collection, absolutely dust collection. There, because yes. the router kicks it all over the place to mm. the point where, you know, it would interfere with the table. Like there'd be so much dust on the table that it would actually throw off that that tenon or whatever whatever you're cutting because you got so much dust under the workpiece. So um, I had dust collection in the cabinet underneath. I had dust collection on the fence. And then later, a uh, Rockler came out with a little, um, like, uh, faceplate type thing for a handheld router that would attach to the faceplate, similar to, to Festool's, yeah. um, like, the little shroud over the bottom. Right. They have one that actually attaches to the bottom of the, the, the router plate. So you're collecting dust, not only from the fence, but collecting dust right below the tabletop. And once I installed that, I stopped using. I had a four-inch port on the bottom of like the router cabinet itself. I didn't even use that anymore. Wow. So I just collected directly from below the plate and from the back because uh, I hate dust. Um, it just gets everywhere. Yeah, and and, and it is it is a tricky tool to. It's one of those things that definitely has two zones that you need to collect from, and that just makes it you know unless it's something that's built into the system, like Festool's new system is actually really good at collecting uh, both above and below. Um, right. unless it does that intentionally, it, it, you do have to sometimes cobble something together to make sure that you get everything that you can. So, yeah, but, uh, but I think that's the key. Like I know Norm's design, he had dust collection in the router cabinet Yeah, and I, that's why I did it that way. And it never worked as well as it should. Right. You know, there was always dust stuck in the corners. It was always building up and everything. And when I installed it to collect right below that little insert ring, you know, on most mm-hmm. of those tables that have the sizable insert ring it collected right, right. right below that and it i mean it was it was awesome nice it sucked away all right. the dust right. yeah that's you a know, good point very good point with the dust collection let me do this because i i feel like i didn't really answer kind of part of this question like what would be the things that i i would want to do with my current table or my current setup i wouldn't really want to improve anything but what i did improve over my previous one is that tabletop size i think getting the biggest top i can is one of the most crucial things i do like having the mobility even with a, a full-size one so again uh that that's really crucial and then like you mentioned shannon the, the stuff with the dust collection that is you when you don't have the dust collection system, you suddenly realize how important it is to have the dust collection, especially in the fence. I mean, if I had to choose fence or underneath, uh, fences saved my butt a number of times. Yeah, yeah for sure. You absolutely. know what else I, I hear a lot of good things about and I really enjoy using? Um, I did not like the Incra fence on my table saw, but on the router table, uh, absolutely awesome. I use that at uh, William Ng's school. And you know how we talk about sneaking up on the cut and and trying to save maybe that last little teeny tiny few thousandths of an inch cut so that you don't get any burning? Um, Well, you can do that super precisely with with one of these Incra things just by, you know, rotating it and moving it a couple notches. So on a router table, that that is one place where I think that that's actually a worthwhile investment. But we're talking about pretty big bucks Hmm. by the time, you know, that's way beyond DIY type stuff that you could do for yourself. (laughs) Um, It's a good point, though. Be able to go back and just nick a thousandth of an inch off. Yep. You know, yep. to clean yep. up that, that, that cut. And, and maybe that's where you like crank up the speed, mm-hmm. you know, cause you're and to get that much, much cleaner cut because now you're running it, you know, 15,000 RPMs instead of the 6,000 you were doing before. That's actually a really good point. Yeah. Cool. All right. Now we have another email here. Uh, I'll take this one. Hey, Matt, Mark and Shannon. I was wondering what is the safest way to store an oil varnish blend that I mix myself. I found a combination of boiled linseed oil, satin wipe on, he said, whip on poly and mineral spirits mixture that works well for me is it combustible should i only mix enough for each application thanks guys david the drunken woodworker um (laughs) drunken woodworker what is his website it's drunkenwoodworker.com he didn't put it in there i think it is anyway yeah i think it is uh so thanks for the email david um yeah it is it is dangerous stuff it is something that that can be a problem so here's the question i mean we all have oil-based finishes in our shops i'm sure at this point uh, do either of you do anything to sort of put it into a, um, you know, a fire safety cabinet, a flammables cabinet, or or do you just wing it and put it inside your regular <laughs> shop cabinets and and hope for the best? Um, it's in I, a I, steel I, cabinet at least. Okay. 
Yeah. Uh, I just put it out in the garage next to the gasoline, the kerosene, and all the uh, oil uh, covered right, uh, rags. Right I next to the matches. Up. <laughs> right. That's exactly. <laughs> right next to the water heater. Um, yeah, I, I do the same thing, Shannon. I've got uh, one of those steel, it's a U-line cabinet that you just use for typical storage duty. Um, I think we have the same cabinet because that's yeah, where I got mine. Yeah, see, my, my theory is it's better than wood, right? And if something were to combust and we did have an open flame in there, maybe at the very least it's going to delay the burn before it gets to anything that actually truly is flammable. So that that's my hope. I don't know that that would actually do anything, but it's certainly got to be better than a wooden cabinet. <laughs> yeah. And an added bonus, if you accidentally spill finish in there, it peels off that like powder coated metal really easily. Speaking yeah. from someone who like accidentally knocked over an entire can of shellac <laughs> inside <boy>. the cabinet. <laughs> um, so yeah, David, that that's a concern. Of course, any of your rags, if you're using that oil based mixture, you want to make sure that you lay them out nice and flat. Uh, so that they can dry in a single layer so you, you don't have any of those uh, spontaneous combustion concerns. So dispose of those rags properly. And, I, you know, it's not a bad idea to mix up only what you need. Uh, this way, just because the, the material as it sits in the environment is going to start to cure on you. So if you only make mix enough for each project, then the stuff is just fresher to begin with. So I would recommend only mixing up what you need per project and keep the ingredients in their original containers. Uh, get yourself some bloxygen as well. Uh, or I guess you can get like, what is it, argon gas or something for, what do they sell that in uh, wine stores? Sell it as well. Yep. Um, but you could basically use those things to get the oxygen. There you go, drunken woodworker. Go yeah. to oh, perfect. Store. He probably has them already. Then. <laughs> he should already be familiar with that. <laughs> um, you just give it a little spritzy spritz on top and it, it pushes the oxygen out and puts the uh, inert gas on top of it. And it helps the oil-based finish, uh, you know, stops it from curing prematurely. Sweet. Yeah, so so I used a can of that. It's not Bloxygen, but you know, like the the compressed air sprayers that uh-huh. like clean out keyboards and stuff. And yeah. it, that's the same thing. It's some sort of inert, noble gas in there. I used that the other day to blow a piece of chicken salad out from beneath the the keys of my <laughs> this keyboard. Get out of there, it chicken was salad! Awesome. It nice. shot out the side. It was like I did the Heimlich maneuver to the keyboard. Was now, was cool. it fresh chicken salad? Like, could you like spray it into your mouth? Like, you know, oh, I need that last bite, or was it like, mm, it, don't touch that? that? It that. picked up some fuzzies along the way, so no. <laughs> no. With Ooh, my wonderful. keyboard, it would be chicken salad and Cheetos. Yeah, <laughs> it's almost a bad thing to do that because it's crazy how much stuff comes out. And it's it's, it's really gross. Super kind gross. Kind of weirds you out. Anyway, it has, tangent. It has inflamed some uh, uh, allergies in the Vanderlust household. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All so right. our last email here for yep. this episode anyway <clears throat> is from A, Jeremy Hopkins. Uh, have you ever looked around and realized the clutter was taking over your shop? Not just project parts that haven't been completed, but all those someday purchases the vast collection of tools or the growing collection of wood and wood scraps, wood scraps, scraps. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He must be from California. (laughs) That's how they talk there. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll say sure. Absolutely. In fact, (laughs) if you read my blog at all recently, you see that I'm getting rid of quite a bit of stuff. In fact, I just gave away a whole bunch of wood to the, First takers on Twitter, well, technically that's not true because I haven't shipped it yet, but I, uh, I just uh, I, OCD took over, I guess, and I just started looking around going, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Got stuff everywhere. And you know, part of it is where I work. Um, I will admit wood, I still love, love wood and really admire nice wood, but it's not – not as priceless as it used to be. I'll be perfectly honest. Yeah. I'm more. I have more of a tendency to pitch that scrap, knowing that there's plenty more where that came from. Um, so it's probably I probably uh, incur the ire of many a woodworker out there. But you know that's why I boxed it up and just shipped it off to somebody. Someone can find this use for as it. Long I just couldn't pa- take the clutter. As long as you're passing it off to someone who can actually use it, I don't think anyone's going to gripe about it. I, I do the same thing. There's a, there is a point where the scrap is small enough that, yes, I could keep it around. I, I guess I might use it for some marquetry or something or an inlay in the future. But ultimately, it's just going to sit there for about five years before I wind up tripping over it or something. So yeah. uh, exactly. That's why marquetry is dangerous, by the way, because yeah. I actually hold held on to a bunch of wood that I was planning on getting rid of, right. thinking, oh, well, now that I know how to do marquetry, 
See, yeah, but if you bad. if you do uh, Paul Search's technique, then you're going to be using commercial veneers, and you could stack a whole lot more in a smaller amount of space. <laughs> um, but the uh, yeah, so the thing is, I, I do the same thing. I, I fortunately have a couple friends locally who turn, so I save you know, just boxes of the stuff whenever they come over. I, I just load up a, a big box of it and and give it away. And at least I know it's it's like everybody has like scroll saw work that they can do, uh, turning that they can do, and you could pass it on down the line. So what what is my scrap is starting material for someone else. Uh, yeah, and you know, it's a good point because when I first started turning pins, you know, what is a pin blank? It's a three-quarter inch by six-inch square. Yep. Well, it's not a square if it's three-quarter, but you get the point. Three-quarter by three-quarter by six. And, um, you know, I'd be building something and I'd have that little skinny cutoff and normally I would pitch that. And then it was suddenly like, ooh, I'll just cross-cut it into a bunch of six-inch length, throw it in a drawer for pin blanks, and guess where it stayed? <laughs> in the drawer for pin blanks. <laughs> yeah. So I just, you know, in these boxes I'm shipping out, there's probably 40 pin blanks in each box. You know, and it's, it's nice stuff. You know, I can't say that it's ridiculously figured wood, but, I mean, there's some quarters on white oak and some walnut and everything, and, you know, it's amazing how many pins you can get out of that stupid little cutoff. So, yeah, totally. you know, people will find use for even the smallest scrap of wood. Yep. Or, or you can do like the Vanderlist where I finally get a certain size box and I go, come on, kids, we're making s'mores tonight. So we'll head <laughs> out there and, and take care of that. Yeah, I was and, just going to say anything that's domestic, that gets saved for the smoker. That's, yeah, that's I guess good, that's true. Good barbecue yeah, wood. Uh, I don't right. burn Purple Heart. It makes me feel funny. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe it, you think that would taste good on ribs? I don't know. Well, I have to try well, it what, what about Bloodwood? <laughs> that might be. You know, mm. Put a little extra back into it. That sounds good. All right, great question. Uh, let's let's move on now. Actually, we we usually at this point read our iTunes reviews, and we don't have any since last week. So if you want to leave us a slackers, my gosh, that's what I'm saying. Uh, if you want to leave us a review, just head over to iTunes and look up our podcast. You could leave us a review. It doesn't have to be five stars, but we certainly appreciate that. We just we just like it. it makes us feel good. It makes us sleep well at night. Gives us a fuzzy feeling in the stomach. It sure does. All right, and just a quick reminder that today's show is supported by Microjig. They hooked us up. They're helping us out. They're the creators of the Gripper 3D Push Block. I know you guys have seen me use that many times on the show. Uh, gripper. Gripper. Visit Microjig.com. they're upset that Tony the Tiger got there before them? Probably. I was just going to say it. They're great. I don't know. Is that thing up for grabs yet? I mean, isn't the copyright on that run out? <laughs> you would think by now maybe they could just start using Tony the Tiger for their uh, for their commercials. Microjig. They're great. Uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. So take a moment. Uh, go over to Microjig's site at microjig.com. Sign up for that uh, newsletter of theirs, and you can actually go right there to microjig.com slash newsletter and sign up. Uh, so thanks to Microjig for helping us out. Thanks to the chat room for hanging out with us, and thanks to Bobby Slack for drinking beer while we do the show because I know that makes it go down easier. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, thanks to you two guys for hanging out with me and having this wonderful new weekly show. Hooray. Thank you for putting up with me. <laughs> right. And if you have any suggestions for next week's poll of the week, I'd love to know that family. Oh, yeah. Hey, uh, contact information. <laughs> Why is that so funny? That shouldn't be funny. It's always going to be funny <laughs> until God. someone, until some Polish person comes along and tells us that it's uh, deeply offensive and then we have to kick Matt off the show. Yeah, yeah. anti sauce stop Polish person. Watch, watch out. <laughs> oh, man. So, Matt, why don't you give them that contact info and we'll get the heck out of here? Okay. If you want to leave us an email, of course, email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. If you want to Skype us with a voicemail, do that at woodtalkonline. Don't forget, you can leave us a voicemail at 623 242 5180. Head over to our website, which is woodtalkshow.com so sure? the wood in there that time. <laughs> and don't forget we're now also on the Facebook too so come on over there and like us yeah like us like us good alright <laughs> well thanks everybody we will catch you next week at this uh, same bat time same bat channel 6pm eastern we'll record live every week like, like bat we, channel or bat bat, channel. bat same bat so, time wait same bat either channel. one will work. It's, is this way you guys are forcing me to get on the lathe to get over overcome my turning? I have to make a bat before the next week. Is that what what you're trying to imply? That's exactly yes. what we said. Purple heart bat. Ooh. I'll just show up with a mint. That'd be nice. Give it to A Rod. Maybe you can finally hit again. Didn't. Didn't. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We will catch you next week. See ya, See y'all. This podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.